Good morning, good morning. How are you doing? Turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1, please. And yes, we, we would just appreciate your prayers for one of the, our fathers in the Lord, Floyd McClung, as he's had two heart attacks, and we are just contending for his life, so thankful for him and Sally and believing for that. Um, it has been an amazing week in our church. We talked last week as we've been in the series on Born of the Spirit and how we come into a relationship of the Holy Spirit through receiving salvation, through what Jesus did on the cross. And if you were with us last week in any of our services, numerous people made decisions to follow Jesus. It was very powerful, very thankful for that. Then on Thursday night, we have our college service. Anybody at our college service on Thursday night? A lot of our students, um, we've been experiencing just a, a little move of God. And when the Spirit begins to move, there's always a work of repentance. Because we come into an understanding of the awesomeness of who God is and His holiness, and it makes us aware of how we fall short. And so uh, it, it was the first time I've ever been a part of a service where we actually felt led to put a microphone in the front and have people come up and share what was on their heart. And students were just confessing sin and broken over that. And then the power of God was coming on them in extraordinary ways. We went well over an hour past our normal time. Uh, you could talk to any student that was there. It was extraordinary. It was much like what you read about in different revival meetings. And so God is moving in tremendous ways. And I want to continue on this morning with one of the most important teachings when we talk about the person and work of the Holy Spirit, and that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we're looking in Acts chapter one, and it says this, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or baptized with the Holy Spirit. We're going to go deep into this today. Uh, if I haven't met you before, my name is Robert. We'd love to get to know you more. My wife Stephanie and I will be hosting a lunch after the third service today at 1 o'clock in our University Ave campus. We'll be having our Welcome to the Family Lunch. We'd love to get to know you more, talk to you a lot about the different aspects of the church, the practical ways you can get involved. This morning, we're going to dive into this uh, text that's so important and so often misunderstood in the body of Christ. Let me begin by sharing with you my story because I'm one of the last people that would actually, you would have thought growing up would be standing preaching a sermon on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I grew up in a Christian family. If, if you grew up with a Christian background, give me a little wave right now. Okay, there's always a, a good number, uh, probably more than half of our church with that context. Unfortunately, in high school, I really veered away from that. I was living in rebellion, and I was walking in a lot of sin. And my senior year, I was just so uh, grow, you know, grotesque by my, by my sin. It, in, you know, it, was, it was so frustrating, unfulfilling. I felt miserable. And I had an experience on a, on a high school retreat weekend where I, I, I just started falling in love with God, and I decided to live for Him, and I, I, I wanted to live this on fire life, and part of it was sharing the gospel with my different friends. And so I remember this short amount of time where I started sharing the gospel, how you could know Jesus, with my friends, and guess what happened? Nothing. Uh, they didn't receive it at all. I remember telling one of my friends, I said, Hey, John, you know, you're my great friend. I really like you. Uh, I'm a Christian. You're not. You're going to hell. I'm not. And um, he didn't receive it that well. And uh, I shared with John. I shared with Andrea. I shared with Brian. I, I was just sharing with friend after friend, and nothing was happening. And it got really frustrating for me. Um, I, I grew up uh, in a church that I would definitely classify the frozen chosen. Uh, there was no moving in the church unless someone was falling asleep and they started nodding off. 
um, that I'm very thankful for my church. We taught the Bible. We believed in the Bible. We just didn't teach all of the Bible. And, and so I, there was, there were, if, if someone raised their hands in church, it was only if they had a question. Uh, there, was, there was just very, uh, it was very stoic. And so I didn't have a context when I went actually to, to watch Handel's Messiah. I went off to college. I went to one of the most formal churches, I mean, beyond what I had experienced. And I'm sitting in the service watching a, a choir in all their choir robes doing a cantata, singing Handel's Messiah. And at that moment, I start having a vision. Now, I had never heard anything about visions. The only thing I knew about visions is I had read most of the Bible, so I had seen that before, but I'm going, oh, this is so weird. My vision is me pacing back and forth on stage preaching. I wasn't a very emotional person by then, back then. Uh, I'm sitting probably in that back section right there, and all of a sudden, I'm leaning over, and I'm sobbing, and I'm going, what is going on with me? You know, and the, the old formal people in the church are going, oh, look at that young man. He loves classical music, you know. And, um, but I, I don't know what to do with myself because I am seeing, with my eyes open, I'm seeing myself pacing back and forth preaching, and, and I'd never had a context. No one in my family is in ministry, so I didn't know what to do. The only thing I knew to do was, was to call my youth pastor back at, at First Baptist and say, can I come and do an internship with you? I, I think maybe I'm, I'm called to be in ministry. And he says yes, and so I'm all excited about it, and, and I'm just starting to get into some, some worship music, and, and so I'm exci- expecting something exciting, and, and he goes, okay, the beginning of this internship is you reading this book called Celebration of Discipline. And I went, wah, wah. I, I thought, there could not be a more boring book title on earth than Celebration of Discipline. And this is not what an 18-year-old that's trying to get on fire for the Lord wants. I start reading Celebration of Discipline. It's a, it's a classic. Uh, anyone read that book, by the way? Oh, good. A lot of you guys have read that book. So I'm reading the book, and it talks about uh, one of, the, it's the disciplines of Bible study, discipline of prayer, discipline of, of memorization, meditation on the word, these different disciplines. But he said, hey, when you get to these different disciplines, I want you to actually act upon what you're doing or act upon what you're reading. So it talks about this ancient prayer method uh, where you, you sit down and you focus on the Lord and you pray. And as you're praying, you repent of your sins. And so you 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 start naming your sins, repent, and just exhale and ask the Lord to take those away. So I'm, I'm repenting of sin. I'm, I'm sitting there. I don't know if this, I can do this, but okay, here we go. Um, so I'm, re- I'm repenting, Lord. I'm so sorry for my anger. I'm so sorry for the lust in my heart. I'm so sorry for the jealousy. And then it said, open up your palms just to receive from the Lord and breathe in and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you in his place. I'm sitting in my parents' formal living room by my sister's harps and the grand piano, Okay. Um, and I'm, and I'm all by myself, and I start repenting of these things. I breathe in and say, now, Spirit, won't you come and fill me in that place? I've never prayed anything like this, but I'm just, you know, I'm just doing this celebration of discipline exercise. As I'm doing that, uh, this sensation starts at the top of my head. I've never experienced anything like this. I've never heard anyone talk about this. It was like a warm liquid coming on my head and starting to go over my body, and I'm going, oh, this is so weird. And it keeps going, and so I'm like, okay, I'll just do this a little more, and I repent of some more sins, and I say, Holy Spirit, fill me up, and I'm, sp- I'm speaking out loud. And as I'm speaking out loud, all of a sudden, my language starts changing, and I start speaking in a, in a different language, and at that moment, I absolutely freak out. Um, the reason I freak out is because I had been told my whole life uh, about this thing called the gift of tongues, and it's a bad thing that weird, hyper-emotional people do that's not real. And all of a sudden, I'm speaking in a language that I have never heard, and it's coming out of me uncontrollably. So what I do, I don't start rejoicing, oh, praise God, this is so awesome. I jump up, and I run out of the room, literally. I run upstairs, and I dive into bed. I pull the covers up. And I go, oh God, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I was opening up myself to, 
I mean, I was opening myself up to the Holy Spirit, but I'm like, I was opening up myself to stuff that I shouldn't, you know? And so I, I'm totally confused the next day because the experience was so powerful and so lovely, um, and something mystical and supernatural was happening, but I had no context, and I've been taught my whole life that this was bad. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to talk to an old wise sage. So I go in to talk to my youth pastor, and uh, I sit down in his office, and I say, hey, that book you gave me, um, I was doing that exercise at that book, and you told me to do these. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I said, so have you ever like been praying and you start feeling this like ecstatic feeling going over you, like you actually feel power and then your, your language changes and he looks at me and goes, nope. And so I went, I jump up, I go, okay, just wondering, and I walk out of the room. <laughs> Never to talk about it again for two years. I just thought, no, that's weird, that, that's not good, that was just some strange experience, never will I open up myself to, to that kind of thing again. The next two years, uh, I, was, I was hungry for God, but it was very frustrating. I felt like I was just stalled out. And um, subsequently, I, I met this girl that y'all have heard me talk about many times, I'll spare you going through the long story, but this, this girl that was just full of love, full of joy, uh, glowed with the spirit and and she was so excited and so passionate and I wanted what she had and when I asked her girl why are you so happy all the time she said I walk with Jesus and I'm full of the Holy Spirit and we would pray and I would pray she'd say why don't you pray and I go oh father God of Lord of hosts and I would say my prayers I had learned and and while I'd be praying she'd be going <laughs> And it was totally offensive because I was like, what is this chipmunk thing going on over there? And, um, but she was constantly talking about a, a relationship with the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I was very frustrated. I was actually heading towards a seminary that taught against that stuff. In fact, in college, I was a religion major, so I, I actually sought out to write my big research paper that you had to have. It was over 20 pages against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So doing extensive research to prove that it didn't exist. So that's what I'm, the context I'm giving you as I'm preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit today is it was within this framework of what was going on in my life. So I want to open up Scripture because in the midst of my studying for this research paper and really understanding the Scripture, something opened up to me. So I want you to see this. We get this understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit first through Jesus. Matthew chapter 3 Verse 11, this is John the Baptist talking, and he says this. John the Baptist, as you know, was sent before Jesus. He says, I baptize you with water for repentance. So oftentimes when you talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people say, well, I, I was baptized. I was baptized uh, in water, and so, yeah, I, I've, I've been baptized. Yes, if you've been baptized in water, that is a baptism of repentance. It shows that the old is gone and the new has come. It's the first thing that we're commanded when we give our life to Jesus. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. But he goes on to say, but after me comes one who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I want to look at that Greek word for a minute. The Greek word for baptism, the transliteration is baptizo, and that actually means to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge, or another meaning is to overwhelm. So when we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this is what that Greek word means to immerse, to overwhelm, to dip repeatedly. Uh, interesting, in my studies this week, I found that the, 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 this was a, in the Greek language, one of the most common understandings of the word baptism came in 200 BC from the famous Greek uh, physician and poet, Nicander, and it was about a recipe for making pickles. And it talks about baptizing 
the cucumbers in that vinegar solution. And it, it would produce, he, he explains that you need to baptize the, the, the cucumbers. They need to soak until it saturates every part and there's a permanent change. So that's what we're talking about. We're not just talking about a little, ooh, Holy Spirit, or, you know, I think the Holy Spirit's, I mean, no, we're talking about a submersion, an immersion in the Holy Spirit so there's a permanent change around your life. Last week, this is why we, we did this underpinning of what it means to be born of the Spirit. When you gave your life to Christ, when you spoke out that you believe in him as your Lord and Savior, the scripture says that you are born again or born of the Spirit. So if you're in this room and you've given your life to Jesus, we believe that you have the Holy Spirit. So a lot of times when someone starts preaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of fear or anxiety. Oh my gosh, I don't know, I haven't had an experience like that. Do I have the Holy Spirit? I'm, I'm so concerned. If you have given your life to Jesus, then you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That is what Scripture says. We believe that you are born again. You have the Holy Spirit in you. Let me uh, go on to, to share kind of the rest of my story. I told you that I had that experience, but I shut it down. And then the next two years were pretty frustrating. I, I, I didn't see anybody come to the Lord. I was really struggling with sin. I was struggling with discouragement. I heard about this group that was going on a mission trip to Juarez, Mexico. Um, it's so much of what we've modeled our trip to Tijuana about. We just had our training day yesterday. Uh, it's been an amazing trip. If, if you still want to go or you missed the training day yesterday, our makeup day today is from 2 to 5 in the University Avenue campus. We'd love for you to join us. It's a life-changing experience. Uh, I reluctantly went on that trip. I wanted to go skiing my junior year in college, and instead I said, okay, I'll go on this trip. And the reason why is I was so hungry, because I heard so many people were coming to know Jesus, and I also heard that miracles were happening through normal college students. And I thought, that, that just is crazy, because that is not my experience. And I've even been on mission trips, but we'd have kind of like a little puppet show, and maybe one third grader would rededicate their life to Jesus. This trip, they were talking about scores of people making decisions for Jesus and miracles happening, actual healings, these different types of powerful things happening. So I said, okay, if this is happening, I've got I've to see it. And I thought, well, it's probably just Mexico. Like Mexico is probably the wonderful world of evangelism. And so I went to the training day. I started learning the, the, the gospel track. I went on the bus ride. It was an 11-hour trip. It wasn't like our 15 minutes to Tijuana, praise God. 11-hour bus ride from Waco, Texas to, T for, to uh, Juarez, Mexico. I get down there on the streets, and I've memorized the track. I'm ready to go. I go out on the streets like we do on our Mexico trip. The, the, we did the gathered a crowd, did a drama. Someone shares the gospel. And then I went and found the softest people I could find, like the sweetest-looking Mexico people. Like they just, I could tell these people will listen to me. And so I walk up to them, I open my track, and they just listened as I stumbled through the gospel. I'm like, oh, this is going so good. I'm sharing the gospel, I'm showing them, I showed them the bridge diagram of them separated from God, Jesus died for your sins to forgive you. And at the end, I'm like, do you wanna receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And they look at me and they're smiling and they go, no. I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 wait. Are you, are you sure? I look at the next person that's like saying, do you wanna receive Jesus? No. You know, I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. So I, I, I'm thinking, th th this can't be. You know, I thought this was Mexico. Like, everyone receives Jesus in Mexico. I look around, I find some other sweet people. I mean, like, I'm finding the, like, the moms with the toddler kids. You know, I'm like, certainly a mom with a toddler needs Jesus, right? And uh, I'm sharing with person after person, no one comes to the Lord. One night of that, two nights of that, three nights, three nights of that. I'm praying for people's healings. Nothing's happening, nothing, nada. And um, we get to the fourth day of the trip, and we're, we're, we do it like we, we do it here in the mornings. We have a worship time and a teaching time. In the teaching time, the pastor is talking about how God is moving around the world. 
and how people are coming to Christ like they never have. We live in the greatest day in church history. Uh, he's, he's talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. Then he starts talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I do not like this. He's talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And then he says something interesting. He goes, do you know that 85 to 90% of church growth worldwide embraces the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's charismatic, Pentecostal, or third wave. 85 to 90%. Okay, you're like, whoa, that's a little hard to argue with right there. And then he starts talking about God resists the proud. Those people that think that they can do their Christian faith in their own strength, but gives grace to the humble. And he starts talking about the different people that God is moving through in power. Even young people, even uneducated people, and, 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 and simple people around the world that just are in the Word and dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just start realizing, like, I'm missing the move of God. I'm prideful. It's been about me. It's been about my externals. It's been about what I know. It's been about me growing up in church my whole life and having everything down. And I just start getting so convicted about him talking about God resisting the proud but giving grace to the humble. At the end of the service, he says, if you want to just let go of your own rights, if you want to pour out your life, if you want to say, I can't do it in my own strength, I need the power and the grace of God to come on me, come down front, by then I am like, overcome with conviction, and my heart is just like, I want all of God. I don't care how it looks. I'm sitting on the very back row. had my arms crossed. I was too cool for school, like judging everyone else in the congregation. Sure, that doesn't happen in our church, but I was like that, just sitting on the back. He says, if you, if you are ready to just relinquish yourself, repent of your pride, repent of you trying to do it in yourself, and you want more of God, come to the front. I come to the front. I come up fast. I get on my knees. And I just start repenting, and I start crying. I'm like, wow, I have been so prideful. I have been so about my self-strength. I've been so about my looks, my appearance, what I have. And the next thing I know, the power of God just starts hitting me. It starts hitting me in a very dramatic way, in a very dramatic way that I didn't want. Like, I didn't want to be one of those weird guys. Uh, but I'm crying. The power of God's hitting me like bolts of electricity. And for the next 30 minutes, God's just dealing with me. I get up at the end. I'm like one of the last people in the room. I'm like, oh, that was really embarrassing. And here's the fruit of what happened. That night, we go out onto the streets. This is the fourth night of the trip. Remember, I hadn't led one person to the Lord in my life. I'm standing back by the bags. Everyone else is, is out praying for people. And I'm like, well, at least I can guard the bags. I can't lead anybody to the Lord, but... I'll be the practical, big, strong guy by the bags. And an older man, when they say, who needs prayer, an older man raises his hand and, and says, I need healing. We go over, I grab uh, another girl who's brand new to all this, little sorority girl, and I go over, and we start talking to this guy. He's hunched over, and he starts explaining that he has inflammation in his stomach, and his back's hunched over, and he's been suffering for 20 years. We place our hands on his stomach, and I'm just like, I'm the healing dummy. This isn't going to work. But I just say, oh, Lord Jesus, won't you heal this guy? My heart's broken for the suffering he's experienced. The next thing I know, his stomach starts contorting in and out. And power starts surging through his body. His back starts going snap, 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 snap. Like this. My eyes grow big. The girl next to me starts crying. Not because she's happy. She's so scared. <laughs> <clears throat> His stomach is contorting everywhere. I have no, like, not only do I not want this, like, I'm scared of what is happening through me. I'm just trying to paint the picture of, of what's going on here. His back finally stands up straight. We call a translator over. He's like, I have been suffering for 20 years. I am completely healed. He started like this. He's standing like this. He has his hands in the air, which I was against people raising their hands in worship. He has his hands going, Gloria a Dios, Gloria a Dios, gracias Cristo. He goes, God has healed me. I am set free completely of my pain. We went from there. I mean, we were going, oh my goodness, what just happened? I went and started sharing the gospel. Led my first person to the Lord. And my second, and my third, and my fourth that night. And from that point on, everything changed in my life. The Bible says... According to Jesus in Acts 1-4, he, 
he actually tells his disciples who have walked with him and have watched him for years, he says to this, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, Acts 1.8, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Why do we embrace the power of God as a church? Because we want God to use us as witnesses, to proclaim his good news and to see his kingdom come to a dying and broken world. And you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. That is what I experienced. I went from living the Christian life and doing and trying to share and nothing happening to going and the power of God coming on me and all of a sudden people being healed and saved. That is why we want a biblical reality to be taking place in this church. Are you following me? Now, I'm, I'm okay if, if some people in this room are going, whoa, 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 I haven't heard this before, this is new, I don't know. That is okay. What I want is you to get in Scripture. You do your scriptural research. Let me just walk you through, though, today, what this experience was all about, this baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you turn with me to Acts 2, the most famous Scripture about this, we're going to study a handful of Scriptures. It says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Oh, God would never do anything that's not just totally peaceful or out of my box. Did you read the Bible? It said the blowing of a sweet, gentle wind. No. The blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Can, can I just say, I, just, I want to be a good biblicist. I want, I want to read the Bible and believe it, okay? So just because of your past experience, don't throw out the Bible. Are you following me? It says, the, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be gentle Things come on their head. No, it says, what seem to be tongues of fire <sighs> come that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Can you imagine being there? Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one of them heard in their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and other parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Let me just pull some points out of this very important text. Number one, this is a very distinct experience they had. There's a powerful experience the disciples were having. It was accompanied by wind. It was accompanied by fire. The supernatural was normal in the Bible. The supernatural was normal in the Bible. Uh, I was talking to a gentleman who's been in ministry for, for 30 years, 30 years been teaching against these things. He was talking about being in one of our services, and he said, as he waited on God, this wind, this cool wind just started filling him. This is a person who didn't believe in this thing and was teaching a different thing for 30 years, but had this experience. I've, I've been in numerous situations where we're praying for someone, and all of a sudden you just feel wind. Wind blowing past you, or wind blowing into someone. This is, 
these things are still happening. Now, I haven't been in a room where a violent wind was going through, but I've, I've heard of people who have. They start speaking in tongues. They start speaking in tongues. We'll unpack this gift more. We're going to talk in the upcoming days. Uh, probably starting next week, about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They start speaking in tongues. Tongues was something that happened. Now, a lot of people look and say, well, this was a known language, and that's not happening today anymore, and it's, they're just talking about heavenly languages. If you want to understand the heavenly languages, look at 1 Corinthians 14. But I, I also want to say, <clears throat> my wife and I were in Lebanon. We were ministering to a gentleman who had just uh, had his wife martyred, awful, they asked Stephanie to pray over him. Stephanie starts praying. She feels led to pray in her prayer language, her tongues, and she stops, and the woman who was with us is wide-eyed, and she goes, do you know that you were speaking in him over in in perfect Arabic? And my wife does not speak Arabic. That would be cool if she did, but she doesn't. Do you know... These things are still happening today. So this, this was something that happened. They, they spoke in tongues. Here, here is the result of this experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People were drawn to God. People are drawn to God. It, is, it always moves forward evangelistically. And do you notice it's people from every nation When a church starts experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it can't ever just stay focused on its own one little group and one little area. It always, that church always becomes globally and nations-minded. And can I tell you, that's always been the heart of Jesus. The Great Commission, go into all nations and make disciples. Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into the whole world as a testimony to all nations. This has always been God's heart. When people start getting baptized in the Holy Spirit, this is always the focus. It goes, it always goes multi-ethnic. You'll start looking around churches that embrace this. They're multi-ethnic, and it starts going to all nations. This is always the result of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And look at the last thing. And some people made fun of them and said they had drunk too much wine. There will always be naysayers. There will always be people who are offended. There will always be people who don't understand and say, those guys are off their rocker. They have had too much wine. It happened in the Bible. It's going to happen now. And that's okay. Now, here's the, here's the, um, the problem, the mistake that some people make. They say, well, that was the first time the Holy Spirit came onto earth. And so that was why it was dramatic. But now we don't have to have that experience because now the Holy Spirit is given to people at salvation. That's actually not good biblical theology. This was not the first time the Holy Spirit came onto earth. If you look back to the Old Testament, we see where Scripture talks about in Exodus, where Basilel and Oliab, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit for creative craftsmanship for constructing the temple. We see where it says Moses was filled with the Holy Spirit. We see where it says David was filled with the Holy Spirit. We see where Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. We see where God says, I'm gonna take the Holy Spirit that's on Moses and put it on numerous other people. So the Holy Spirit's moving through the Old Testament. Secondly, they say, well, this was the, the time where the disciples received the Holy Spirit. Actually, that's not true. If you look with me at John chapter 20, Jesus dies. He's already said, it's good for you that I leave because I'm going to, to, to send the Holy Spirit. Jesus is resurrected. He comes back. He appears in a room. He's with the disciples, Acts chapter 20, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them. They would have been freaking out. And said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. This means Jesus has already been resurrected. He shows up to the disciples, he shows them his hands, and then he says, says, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord again. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So Jesus breathes on the disciples, and they receive the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit in them. But later he's saying, do not leave until you are baptized, until the Holy Spirit comes upon you until you are submerged so that you have power to be my witnesses. So the question is, does our church believe in a second experience 
with the power of the Holy Spirit coming on people in order to be witnesses and to see the kingdom come, absolutely. And we also believe in a third experience and a fourth experience and a fifth experience. Uh, Look at Acts chapter four, this is very interesting. The same disciples in Acts chapter two that the Holy Spirit comes on, Acts chapter four, it says this, They've been persecuted. Peter and John have been put in jail. All the disciples are together. They're freaking out. And it says this, after they prayed, the place where their meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says, do not be drunk on wine, but be filled. And that verb for be filled means be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want my life to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's kind of like this. It's like this is your life, this container. I don't want it empty. I want to continually being filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. So let, let's just talk about this for a minute, what are the fruit uh, of being filled with the Holy Spirit? What's the actual fruit that comes from being filled with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, there, there's, there's numerous ones. The first is boldness. The first is boldness. Since so many people are afraid to share their faith, the Holy Spirit comes on them. In Acts chapter four, the Holy Spirit came on them and it said they were filled with the Holy Spirit and with boldness, and people start proclaiming. That's what I experienced. The power of God came on me, and I was no longer ashamed to share the gospel. Don't you want to not be ashamed? You're so overflowing that you're like, I, I've just got to share. I'm so, I'm so in love with God, I've just got to share. That's one. Number two, joy. Acts 13, 52. In a time of persecution, they're filled, and it says they're joyful. I want to tell you, you, you can see someone who's overflowing with the Holy Spirit. You see a joy on them. That's what brought me into a deeper understanding is I saw someone who had been filled with the Holy Spirit and they just exuded with joy. Who doesn't want more joy in their life? I think the world is dying to see Christians that don't look like they've been sucking on pickles. Right? Oh, Christians, they're just so hypocritical. Not when they've been filled with the Holy Spirit. They're so full of joy. It's contagious. That's what I want. Don't you want a church that's just overflowing with joy? Despite circumstances. In the midst of persecution, they were filled with joy. Here's a third one. Tongues. Other languages, both natural and supernatural. That's Acts 2, 4 through 11. Acts 10, 46. Acts 19, 6. 1 Corinthians 14, 2, and, and, and some people are like, you know, I, I, I don't want to talk about tongues. The tongues split, you know, my parents' church. Tongues didn't split your parents' church. People did. Poor tongues. They, they, they didn't do anything. It was people that were immature, and, and so what we're going to do is walk in this in proper New Testament order, right? That's we don't want to throw out things because other people abused it. We want to walk in, in a New Testament biblical way. Here's the next one, prophecy. Speaking the thoughts of God and love for the edification and building up of the church. Acts 19, 6, 1 Corinthians 14, 3, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. I was talking to a, a guy who just recently, one of, our, one of our leaders, recently just had this experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He goes, man, I don't know what I'm, uh, what, what's going on. Every time I walk into a life group, I'm just like prophesying over people like a machine gun. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's overflowing him onto other people. Here's the last one, supernatural power to do the works of Jesus, of healing, of, of casting out of, of demons, of miracles. We need the power of God to come on us so the power of God can flow through us. Let me just give, uh, give the um, illustration. Acts chapter 2, the power of the Holy Spirit comes on them. Acts chapter 3, just write this down. I don't have time to unpack all of these. Acts chapter 3, Peter and James, uh, I'm sorry, Peter and John are going to the temple and there's a paralyzed man. And he's calling out and he goes, hey, would, 
would you give me some money? And what do they say to him? Silver or gold I do not have. Silver or gold I do not have. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like they opened their pockets and said, look, silver or gold I do not have. And then they say something interesting. But what I have I give to you. Can you bring out our uh, smoke machine for a minute? I just want to uh, want to just illustrate this. They are basically saying something like this. They said, um, silver or gold I, I do not have. I don't have this. I, I don't have silver or gold in this container of my life. But it, 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 they said, but what I have I give to you. Can we give a little uh, smoke here? You know, okay, so Holy Spirit coming out and blowing. Now, they're saying, I don't have silver or gold, but I actually am carrying something in my being. Uh, assistant Mark, this is my incredible assistant, Mark Tapia, uh, with the trash can. Mark, show us what it would be like for the Holy Spirit to actually come in your empty vessel. He said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. So the Holy Spirit comes in, okay, and he's carrying it, and then he can actually send it. It can come out and flow onto someone else. So you're carrying it. So this person needs a healing over here. The power of God is in you and it can flow out of you. That is why we so desperately, I'm, I've seen people's hands like, hey, can you give me a little? Here, give them, give them one more shot of this. All right. This is, this actually isn't the real Holy Spirit for you that are so hungry. Uh, this is just an illustration. But thank you, Mark. Let's give him a hand. Please pray that the fire alarm doesn't go off. Um, so let's just finish with this. So, so how do we, how do we get it? How do we get the baptism of the Holy Spirit? That's the question, right? Um, you, you don't have to get yourself all hyped up. You don't have to do cartwheels. Um, Jesus is very clear. Scripture is very clear of, of how we can get this. First of all, Luke 11. First we ask. The Bible says in Luke 11, verse 11, which of you fathers... If your son asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake instead. I just think about my sons, Hudson, Joshua, and John Mark, and they asked for something. It's my heart as a father to give them what is good. Now, I give it to them when I feel like it's best for them. But when they ask, I delight to give them things. Or if he asks for an egg, who would give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him. How much more? The Father longs to pour out his spirit. The Father longs to pour out and baptize people in his Holy Spirit. Second of all, have people lay hands on you. Uh, Acts chapter 8, 14, we see this. It says, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. You have people pray for you that have experienced this. And you receive it that way. So I, I'm about to show, I, I don't want to just share my story because sometimes people can go, well, you're a pastor and it's, crazy things happen to pastors. I'm about to share some testimonies of people who have experienced this in the last two weeks. Um, we've had numerous people experiencing this in the last two, three weeks. Just uh, in, incredible. So I want you to hear from them. But before you hear from them, this is what I want to say. Uh, do you have to have this to be a Christian? Absolutely not. Right? You give your life to Christ, you believe in his finished work on the cross, and you're saved. You don't have to have this. Do you have to have this to be a part of All People's Church? Absolutely not. No, we, we want you to be a part of us no matter where you are in your journey. This is a family where we're walking with people who just want to grow in their relationship with God. My encouragement to you as a pastor, though, is don't you want everything that's in the Bible and that God has for you. Don't, you. don't you want his fullness in this life? And that's why I encourage you, as the Bible says, eagerly desire 
the spiritual gifts, hunger and thirst after righteousness. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. Let's play this, this video of what these people have recently experienced. This past summer in June, I went to India with All People's College. That was really the first time that I saw the spirit move. I really saw people be touched in amazing ways. Really since June, it's just been a hunger. And at World Mandate, it was just really clear. The Lord just told me, like, he's going to wait. Later, just realized, like, he's going to wait for those walls to come down, and he'll break those walls. But I'm the one who has to get going to have to give him those walls. Coming to Awaken, the second semester of college has completely just changed my life. Specifically, just coming the second time. I started going to All People's Church. I started to learn about baptism in the Holy Spirit and I was praying to God and saying, God, if these are things that you can use today to bless me and other people around me, I want them and I want to pursue you. I was at Wednesday night chapel at Point Loma and I was praying and I was asking God if he would free me from my insecurity. Last week at Awaken, those walls just came down and his power just really just came over me and his spirit overflowed. I was, I was in it and just let all those walls down. This semester I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. After that, I've just lived completely different, just filled with the Holy Spirit every single day. I heard his voice so clearly and it said, Max, go and bow down before me. At first I was like, no, I don't want to, but he said, if you don't want to be self-conscious, go and bow down before me. So I did, and then I received the Holy Spirit. I started speaking in tongues, which really threw me off, but I guess it was all in God's time. So now I'm just full of peace, and I'm full of joy, and I'm just praising God with everything that I do. Just gave all that to Him, and just surrendered it to Him, and just watched Him, watched Him move, and just watched Him use me in a way that my own strength couldn't. And just since then, the fruit of that has just been just such an intimate time with him and just being in those sweet, precious moments where it doesn't have to be fire, it doesn't have to be a storm, but just a gentle whisper is just the most beautiful thing. After that, the Holy Spirit's presence in my life has just increased tremendously in ways I couldn't even imagine. Every day I wake up and I just feel like the fire, probably the best night of my life because I just got so deeply anchored in just truth and in who God is and I feel like I can't be shaken anymore. I've been a believer for a long time, and I've been in this church since the very beginning. And I'd always heard all the stories about baptisms in the Holy Spirit, and gifts of tongues and prophecy, and supernatural healings, and all the amazing things that God did in people's lives. But I never really thought that that would happen for me. I always thought that I was kind of in a separate category. Uh, that was just for the super spiritual people. Until Tuesday night at the training school, when we had a time of ministry and prayer at the end, and I received prayer and just started repenting sins in my life and things that I had held on to and really just started asking God to help me release those things and to break off the chains and in that moment I really just started to feel the presence of God and it was tangible, it was physically present in the room and I was just overcome with joy. I was smiling and uncontrollably laughing and it was just the most incredible supernatural experience in my life. I just was so overjoyed in that moment. And what I realized is that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, is not just for the super spiritual, but it's for anybody when God chooses to give it to them. Hope you're encouraged by that. Uh, why don't we stand up? And uh, if the band can join me on stage, uh, very simple response is this. If this is something you're hungry for, Right now, if this is your desire, my encouragement is for you to uh, come and ask God to touch you. Uh, if some leaders can come up front, if this is your desire this morning, you're just saying, yeah, I'd, I would like to have more of the power of the Holy Spirit, I just invite you to start coming forward now. And if you just come to the front, just start coming now and just open your hands before the Lord and just ask Him to start touching you. And different leaders will come up and lay hands on you and pray for you. You can just come here right in the middle. You can either come to a leader or you can just stand by yourself. If you come up to a leader, a leader is going to know to lay hands on you. If you just come and stand here, they're just going to wait uh, for a few minutes for you to, to pray and to ask the Lord. Here's what I would do, though. Keep, you know, go ahead and come. Uh, be bold. God wants to touch you. Uh, God wants to move in your life. This could be the first time you've ever experienced something like this. You could say, hey, I've experienced this numerous times before, uh, but I just need more. And I've just realized throughout my life, I need continual, fresh 
fillings of the Holy Spirit. So if your heart is for this, if your heart is hungry, if it's not, don't worry. Just sit. You can, you can enjoy. You can worship. Just push all the way to the front. And I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to start moving, to start touching people. And we're just going to pray. There's no specific thing we're looking for, no specific manifestation. We just want all the Holy Spirit has for us. So, Lord, we thank you that you delight to give the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to your precious children who ask. And so, Lord, we're just inviting you right now to come into this room, Lord, and to fill people from the top of their head to the bottom of their toes, that you would start overwhelming people with your goodness, with your love. Lord, that people would start hearing your voice, they'd start feeling your touch that these different manifestations, that joy and boldness, that prophecy and tongues, that supernatural power, especially the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. Can you guys just keep moving forward? There's more and more people coming. Just keep, if you're standing up here, just keep coming. There's plenty of room. If you're wanting to be prayed for, just come, come up front. There's plenty of room for you. And Steve, if you just start leading us in worship, we just want to, let's just fix our eyes on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's all about focusing on him. It's all about being more and more in love with him and just wanting his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We invite your spirit to just flow. Lord, you are the captain of this ship. We don't want to be in control. We want you to be in control. We just, we relinquish our own control. We relinquish our own control. And we say, just like you were doing in the Bible, just like you've done throughout church history, Lord, you were doing it in the life and ministry of D.L. Moody. You're doing it in the life of Jonathan Edwards in the Great Awakening. Lord, you were doing this with John Wesley. You were doing this with the Moravian church. Lord, you've done this in numerous waves of your spirit. That's what we need. We're hungry for you. Church, would we just start expressing that we're a hungry church wherever you are in this room. Just tell God that we're hungry for him. Just invite him to come. We want him to come in and move in our church. We don't want any walls. We don't want anything to hinder him. 